0: Hallelujah. No place we'd rather be. You know, Jesus said that he only did what he saw the Father do and say what he's heard the Father say. In order that, he had to be in a position where he was always in God's presence. You know, uh, we, we don't, you know, with the song, you got to be, be be careful sometimes with songs is we're not begging for more of God. We already have everything that God's offered. But what it is, it's a it's a declaration of surrender. It's really it's really what it is. When we say we want more of you, it's not that He's holding anything back from us. Yes, yes. But it's a declaration of surrender. It's a declaration of I yield more of me to you. Yes, my. you know, because all the trouble I've gotten in, in, in mm-hmm. my own life in the past was because I was yielding more to me than than yielding to him. And, and so, if we can just declare who's boss in, in life, you know, we would we would probably go through less struggles, <laughs> you know, um, but it's making and continue to surrender ourselves to that place of, Father, I, I want more of you. There's no place I'd rather be. You know, David made a statement. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be a doorkeeper than anywhere else, a, a thousand days elsewhere. You know, I'd rather be a, a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness, meaning I... I even if I can't get in there, I at least want to be close to it. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, you know, I talk about a Joshua generation and, and I, don't, I know we're in a millennial generation and all that. But but I love the aspect of a Joshua generation from the standpoint of understanding who Joshua was. Moses went up to the sea and meet God. But Joshua was determined that he was going to get it as close as God would let him get. And he go halfway up. I <laughs> about you, but I want to go as far as God will take me. I want God to do amazing things in my life, but it's up to us to yield to him. And that's really what Next Level Men's Ministry is all about, what our first Thursdays every month is about. It's about going to a next level in our life and, and uh, understanding our walk with God is not about a, 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 a works and earning a next level, but it's about growing to that next level. It's about understanding his plan for your life. It's understanding his purpose. It's understanding about surrendering to him and yielding to him. And as you do, everything that you choose to yield to him he'll take you a little bit higher, a little bit farther. God can only take you as far as much as you'll give him. You know, it says he says in his word, he says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. He said in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Well that lets me know he can only direct me in areas I acknowledge him in. So Father, we just acknowledge you in in our relationships, whether it's a girlfriend, whether it's a wife, we acknowledge you in the areas as it pertains to being a father, being a friend, being a minister, being a being a servant, being one that just desires to be used by you. No matter where we are, we acknowledge you right now, Lord. And I just thank you that you direct us and that you equip us for the next level. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for your presence. It makes all the difference in the world. Where would we be without your presence? Where would we be without Jesus? Where would we be at without the precious gift of what Jesus sent to us, the Holy Spirit? We honor the greatest gifts. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now look, look at your neighbor and say, I'm a champion. I'm a champion. Look to your other neighbors, I'm a, I'm a champion. You know, don't go by what you feel. You may be like, well, Pastor, I've been beat up all week long. Well, well, maybe I have too, but it doesn't change the fact that God's word is true. <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You have to see yourself through the way God sees you. And we are champions. And you need to get that down on the inside of you that we are champions. That's what Next Level is all about. I'm going to read our our, our mission statement to you as a men's ministry. It says Our purpose is to create opportunities for the men of heritage to come together to connect, grow, get free, and go to the next level in life. Our attitude is this we refuse to go back, give up, or plateau. We will rise and be the champions we were created to be, Amen. And that's what that's what this meeting is all about. And just looking at forward, how this this group is going to continue to grow, um, grow together in relationships. There's things right now just the Lord put in my heart this year was to spend time with you each month and impart my heart to you. Um, we did things once a quarter before, and we'd do different events. But I uh, just had in my heart this year to just spend time with you and share my heart about being a champion, things that I've learned, um, things that I've learned through other great men of God that, that have long gone before me, um, the things I've learned from them, and just an honor to be able to impart some of those things into your life. You know, uh, in October, we'll be planning a, a, a weekend, we'll probably go away like Friday night and, and Saturday, come back Saturday night, and some things we'll work on right now. But right now, I believe it's important for us to just to come here come here every once a month and just let's get in the Word, let's build relationships, and then I believe God's going to do some great things within this next year. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've been talking about making of a champion. Before I, before I get into this, I, I want to say, because this, this making of a champion, the bottom line is what is a true champion? A true champion is a person of character. You know, it doesn't matter what great things you might accomplish, what financial status you might gain. Uh, it, those things are nothing if you don't have character. Because if you don't have character, you can lose any and all status and fame that you've ever received. Just look at celebrities. Just look at people, one-hit wonders. I mean, the thing is, is if you don't have character, you don't have integrity. I, you know, Michael Jackson was a was was a great entertainer. Elvis were, was a great entertainer. But character and flaws and different things in their life cause them not to, I believe, fulfill their destiny. You know, I, I believe a lot of these people that do great things, I believe they have anointings and graces and giftings on their life that are ultimately for the body of Christ, but the enemy takes them out from ever really reaching and doing what they were called to do. And that's influenced the world for his kingdom. And so let me go over some of these about a person. These are on the sheet of paper that you received. A person of character, what does a person of character looks like. And you can repeat these after me. Let's read them together. Step up, be a man of action. Assume it, it is your job in your moment. Hate apathy, reject passivity, refuse to live as a spectator in life. Speak out. Silence in the midst of sin is a sin. Be courageous. Fear God, not man. Speak the truth in love. Stand strong. Don't give in when you're challenged, attacked, or criticized. Above all, refuse to compromise. Stay humble. Be vigilant against pride. Get the log out of your eye. Don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. Serve the king. Seek first his kingdom, his glory, his righteousness. Hope in the eternal and live for a greater reward. That's what we're we're confessing each time we come together. Put that on your mirror. Confess that over your life and make declarations that that you you believe in. Amen. Job says, the book of Job, there's a lot of good things in Job. People don't think there is, but there's a lot of good things in the book of Job. But one, one of the things he says, decree a thing. And it will be established. You know, you, you are going in the direction of what you're thinking and what you're speaking. Right? Right? You know, if you're married right now, that's, it, it's. hey, you spoke it. You said, I do. And there you are. You know, you, you, it, 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 it happened. You know, you, you're, you're going you're gonna to go in the, your most dominant thought. And really, your most dominant thought is going to eventually become your words. And your words will paint your future. Amen. So let's continue talking about making of a champion, and, and we've dealt with all sorts of things. Last month we talked about you've got to have heart, passion. you got to have passion. And uh, this week I'm going to talk about single-minded, being single-minded. A, a champion is someone that's single-minded. I, I'm going to say a thought to you here at the beginning. I'm going to say it throughout, three or four times throughout, throughout our, our time that we have. But I want this thought really ingrained in you because you're going to act on this thought at the end. But listen to this. What are you determined about right now? What is your determination right now? If you can't answer that, you have revealed that your life will remain the same. Let, me let that sink in for a moment. What is your determination right now? What are you determined about right now? If you can't answer that, you reveal that your life will remain the same. Wow. <laughs> because it's what you're determined about, determined about, what you're pursuing, what you're, what you're focused on. See, if, if, I, if, I if I'm not focusing on anything, if I'm not pursuing anything, and I'm just letting life happen to me, then you know what? Your life is going to remain the same or it's going to go backwards. And you're going to look back and be like, how did I get to this place? You know what, and it, and it doesn't take long for your life to go backwards. I have I, a situation, you know, uh, of, of, of someone I know that's been, been you know, think God, God's been doing some amazing things. God's been doing some great things and for the last almost two years. And just in a matter of three weeks, almost lost everything. All because of one decision. It's not because God doesn't love. It's not because God doesn't care. Somewhere along the line, they, they, they lost a the determination. They lost a the focus. And they allowed other things to become the determination and the other things to become the focus. But we, in, this, in this series, the whole year, we're dealing with the life of Nehemiah. And I, I want to I read just one scripture here um, in, in chapter 1. You don't need to turn there. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chesleel. In the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace. I know that's a mouthful of words that I could barely pronounce, but but, he's in a place called Shushan. And he gets word that, we know, we, if you've been here, if you, if you haven't been here, I encourage you, if you go to the website and go to the men's ministry, all the teachings are there from our, our Thursday nights. But here he's in this town of Shushan, and, and he gets word about his family his people, his ancestors, that the walls are broken down and that everything's been destroyed and he's heartbroken and it said he wept. And we know that, it, we talked about it, 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 he spent several months praying about what to do. And he's in a town called Shushan. <laughs> you know, I would have had, I'm from Shushan, how are you? You're from Granberry, I'm from Shushan. You want your Shushan? <laughs> I mean, but think about it, he's going from Shushan. They didn't have airplanes back then. Now, it, Shushan and Jerusalem aren't too close together. Almost nine hundred miles. And and so think about now. So think about how far away this is. If you walk that, if you walked for forty days straight, eight hours a day, you could get there. That's that's a long way. And so as a man that's going to a city that he has never, it's his people. He's Jewish, but he's never been there. And all of a sudden, something that is in his heart to go there and someone needs to rebuild these walls because no one else was doing it. None of the people that lived there cared about the walls, but yet this one man, 900 miles away, hears about it and all of a sudden, something stirs within him and says, I've got to do something about this. I mean, even how, how, how long would it take on horseback in a caravan? How long would it take? We we know that 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 the, the king, he went to the king in fear and trembling. And and he because really going to the king, you can't have a sad countenance because according to the laws of Persia, if you went to a king with a sad countenance, he had the right to kill you because what happens, you're bringing depression into the king's presence and here he was heartbroken, and but yet he took time to pray. When he got wisdom from God and he went before this king and he goes to him and, and he has this sad, sad countenance. And the king goes, what's wrong? Because he's never seen him this way before. What's wrong? And he says, my people are being destroyed. The walls are being broken down. And he had favor with the king. The favor gave the the king gave him an envelope with his signet ring, gave him finances for the journey, gave him a letter to someone that he would go through a forest on his way to Jerusalem that would pay and give him all the wood and everything he would need to build the walls. That's favor. But it had a first start with him being determined that this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm called to do. When when Nehemiah got to the got to the city of Jerusalem. He didn't show up. I'm here. I'm here to build the walls. You see, a lot of ministers today, you know, they're they're into a lot of ministers can be into look at me. You know, hear my revelation. I've got, I've got this. He went, he went there and told nobody. He went into the city and he actually spent several days just walking around the city, just looking at it, and is I believe praying over the city, getting direction, getting wisdom. And then finally he went and met with a group of people. But he, it wasn't, he didn't make it about him. The bottom line is that Nehemiah, he was more concerned with God's work and less about man's opinion. Nehemiah was more concerned with God's work and less about man's opinion. Nehemiah set his face. Nehemiah set his face in determination that I'm going to Jerusalem And I'm going to rebuild these walls. He set his face. See, that that phrase, set his face, is a word set means to fix. It means to almost, like if if you look at um, anything that you're constructing, if you look at pottery... And you form that pottery, you put it into a furnace, a firing process, and what are you doing? It's setting it so nothing can destroy it. So it holds its shape. You're looking at concrete and, and you, you pave a concrete uh, uh, slab. What, you, you have to give that time to do what? You have to give it time to set. Why? So it keeps its form and it keeps its position. So Nehemiah set his face that I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to rebuild these walls and nothing is going to hinder me from doing this. We, we see this principle throughout scripture. We see where David it said he set his face towards the battle. We see it with with Abraham, where it said that it said that he left left his father's house and he went to a land that God would show him. And there was a time when he was he he was told to offer his son Isaac up, and he took Isaac up on a mountain and he and he looks at the lad, and Isaac goes, Well, where's the sacrifice? And he looks at his son and says, and says, The Lord will provide. That's a man that set himself that this is what we're doing, this is what's going to happen. You see this with Joshua when they were about to go over to the promised land and God gave him direction. And he said, send the priests out before you and they're bearing the Ark of the, of the Covenant. And, you know, the thing in Indiana Jones, you know, the first one, you're bearing the Ark of the Covenant. And that said that said it told them it said, now, keep your eyes on it. Keep about it. So many cubits out behind it. So keep your eyes on it because you haven't been this way before. Meaning you're about to go into new territory and new things, but you got to keep your eyes on this. And what did the, the Ark of the Covenant? It represent, represented God's Word and it represented God's presence. So keep your eyes on His Word. Keep your eyes on His presence. And you'll go into the Promised Land. That's setting your eyes. It even said, it said about Jesus, it said, He set His face like flint towards Jerusalem. See, there was times that He went to Jerusalem before. But yet he returned to different places. But this time, hmm, this was a different time. This was, I'm, I'm now, now it's time for me to finish my purpose. Now it's time for me to, because he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. I set my face like Flint. That's determination. And if a champion has to have determination. Any athlete that's done great things had to have a determination. They had to set themselves in, 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 in their workout, set themselves in, in their practice, set themselves on what they knew they had to do in order to get better and to achieve great things. I wrote this statement down. If it doesn't have a laser focus, you'll always be sidetracked. If you don't have a laser focus, you'll get easily sidetracked. Now think about it. how many things have we started, but yet haven't completed? Come on, you know, you get those projects maybe around your house, your apartment that you set out to do two years ago. And and it's and it's like half finished. You walk by it and you're like, I'm going to get to that one day. (laughs) I, I, I got a couple of those. You know, how many how many workout routines have we started? How many diets have we started? How many how many commitments have we made to. Your pastor or commitments you've made to a leader within. Well, you know, I'm going to do that or I'm going to do this. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do this. And how many things have we have we not fulfilled because we allowed ourselves to be sidetracked? But if we're going to be champions in life, we're going to be a champion father, a champion husband, champion in our workplace, champion in our church, champion our community. We're going to have to have a laser focus. We're going to have to have a, a single mindedness. Let me ask that statement again. What are you determined about right now? What is your determination right now? If you can't answer that, you've just revealed that your life will always remain the same. In Psalms chapter 16, verse 8, David says, he goes, I set my, he goes, I set the Lord before me always. I set the Lord before me always because he's at my right hand. I will not be moved. I set the Lord before me always. That means that's determined. I've set him before me. Let's go to James chapter one. James chapter one. We talk about being single-minded. Thank you, Father. Man. Notes from last night's message from Cassie man, what an awesome message.'t you, you need to go and line and listen to that. Hallelujah. James chapter one. what is this a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways it doesn't say a double-minded man is unstable in some of his ways it says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways one a definition i heard from someone i don't know where i can't remember where this came from I heard this years ago and talking about double-minded. What does that mean? And they said one of the definitions in the Greek could be a two-souled man. A two-souled man is unstable in all his ways, meaning I have a mind that wants to go after God. I have emotions that want to go after God. I have a will that wants to go after God, but also have a will that wants to go after what I want. I have a will that wants to go after, you know, I, I want to follow these emotions. I want to follow this. But here it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I'm going to use these two chairs for a moment. Now, years ago, I had a, did, was teaching along these lines, and I did, a, I did a, um, an example of Twister, you know, the game Twister, you know, and, and, and just explained this. How, how And I had a couple people come up and, and said, so each thing represented one thing. Fear was on your left hand, and faith was on your right hand. And then you had sin consciousness on your left foot. And then you had, you, you had uh, righteousness consciousness with your other foot. And it's over here on this color. And I had two people up there at the same time in these different scenarios. And, and they were standing. And so what happened is all I had to do is just push them a little bit and they fell over. And so I, 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 would, I, would, I have another example I want to go. Armando, I want to use you for a moment. Yeah, on Woo! Stand, stand on just, both feet on these chairs here. Just stand, stand up. You can face them. I'll make sure it doesn't collapse. I got, I got you. You got it? He got a young guy. <laughs> All right. So a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, let's look at these chairs as, as two different uh, minds. double mind. One way of thinking, and this is another way of thinking. Okay. So we go through life, and we start out. We're, we're, we're focused on one thing. And so we come back, and, and all of a sudden, now we're starting to think a little bit different. You know, we're going through life and, and everything is going great and, 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 and things are really going well. But, but you know what? We, we still being pulled by these two different thoughts. So, so what happens? We keep going and, and we keep going and, and then we keep going and, and we keep going and we keep going. See, see, you get the, you get the, you can get down on mine. You can get the picture. I don't, I don't want to split your jeans, man. You know, uh, you know, I don't know how flexible you might be, but, 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 but if you think about it. That's, that's how we are in life so many times mentally and spiritually. We're mentally and spiritually, you know, we, we have an intent that we're going on this path. But but after a while, if we're not, we, we if we let go of our determination, our focus, the next thing we know. And the thing is, is you can't once you get to a certain place, you cannot. You, you're you, the only way you're going to be able to get down is if you fall down. Because you have nothing to support yourself with. and that, And that's what this is all about. If you're double minded, it will be difficult to become successful in life. Because it says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Unstable. Easily shaken. Fall for anything. Easily deceived. What is single-minded? What does single-minded means? Sincere of heart and mind. It means having a single purpose. Being single-minded puts you in a position to succeed an unstable person will be unstable in all their ways if you are unstable in your, in your mind you if you look at someone's life and they and they're constantly thinking two different ways you look at every other finances well it's okay okay this week we're getting out of debt and next week we're charging everything you know or you know hey i really want to i'm really to get plugged into church i go to church this week but i missed three weeks in a row Well, I know I need to get that. No, no, you've got to come. We've got to come to a place where this is my focus because that's where I'm going. I'm going to rebuild walls. You know, what what is what is your determination? You know, I'm going to build a successful family. I'm going to leave a lasting legacy. I'm going to do everything that God's called me to do. But you've got to you've got to it's got to start with a determination. You know, you know, think about unstable. This came to my heart. But how about people that win the lottery? You know, the majority of the people that ever win the lottery end up bankrupt in just in in a few years after they gain all that money. <laughs> yeah, a few days, <laughs> you know, when when because the thing is, is is it's it's like with care you can. It's like I could. It, that's why the answer in uh, it doesn't matter your your political ideals or anything. I'm not here to to deal with that. But when you think about the answer to throwing. Money at poverty is never the answer. It's dealing with the root of poverty. See, there's a root of poverty. The answer is never throwing more money at it because the issue is you throw more money at it, it eats up more money. That, that's, that's just the truth. The thing is you have to deal with the root cause of why poverty. And so we have to understand why are we in these situations? Why are these in these circumstances? The fact is that a lot of times the fact is we don't need more money. The fact is we need to, we need to become more stable in these areas because what happens is we become more stable, stable. The next thing you know, you'll have more money. I was making, when I was 23 years old, I was making $75,000 a year, had my own house, had two acres of land, working in sales and marketing. And, and I was still... With a mortgage, I was still thirty thousand, almost thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt, but yet at twenty-three and not having really anything else, making great money, but why? My my core of who I was wasn't right. And that, and that I went and through a period of time when I came here to Bible school, supernaturally things happened. I ended up getting out of debt in nine months, and and things happened. And I went through. I went. I went for. For three years, you know, going from having my own house to sharing a bedroom with another guy. I mean, you talk about humbling. But the thing is, 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 is I, I mean, I was able to understand money more. I was able to understand what being a good steward is. I was understand how not being controlled by money. I, have I done things right all the time since then? No. Yeah, I've, I've, I've let my flesh lead me in certain things. Yeah, I've bought things that I shouldn't have bought. But for the most part, the, the core had to change on the inside of me because I didn't need more money. I just needed to know how. Because what happened if I just give me more money, I'm going to get more in debt. It's like, you know, someone says, well, you know, <laughs> someone says, well, if I just had money, I, I wouldn't be in this predicament. And someone talked about sin. And the thing is, well, you, you just won't be having, committing adultery at Motel 6. You'll be doing it at the Hilton. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about. It has nothing to do with more money. It just amplifies money. Yeah, that's right. Money, money just amplifies your your issues. <laughs> money is is amoral. It's neither good or bad. It p- takes on the nature of whoever has it. And it's the same. It's the same thing we have to understand about being single-minded. Single-minded. Nehemiah was determined that he was focused. About repairing the city walls, he was committed to his calling, and there was no turning back that once God had set his direction, he learned that nothing is so great that it can't stop fulfilling God's ultimate plan. You know, a thing about determination, and who some of these things I've been learning from, the man that passed away in 1996, his name by the name is Lester Summerall. And I mean, you talk about a bold man. And um, he, he'll tell you how it is. But I'll pull up the first picture, the black and white picture, Rick. I just want you to see this picture. Got it? Okay, this is Lester Summerall. He started ministry when he was 17 years old. He was born in 1913. Started ministry at 17. When he was 19 years of age, he heard, really, God say he met a guy in the middle of America, a guy named by the name of Howard Carter. Howard Carter probably has gained really the revelation, of really the Pentecostal church. It's the early 1900s, so you got to realize that Sousa Street happened in, in in late 1800s, 1900, 1904, I believe. 19 What's that? 1906. And so, so there was revivals going on in the nation. Really, the Holy Ghost fell, and people were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost throughout the nation. And amazing things were happening. And in of Summer, so, so was of 17, 1913, so all of these things were building up. And uh, when he was 17, he was at a meeting, and he met this guy named Howard Carter. And then from there, he had this direction and, and heart to go to San Francisco. Because ultimately, he knew, God said, I want you to go meet up with Howard Carter in Australia. And so here he is. Now he's 19 years of age, and he goes to San Francisco. Has enough money to buy a boat ticket and to to travel to to Australia from San Francisco back in 1934, I believe it's so or whatever 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 19, he was born in 1913. So over 19 years is 32, whatever. And so he's he's on this journey, and he's going across, and he's standing in line. Can you imagine 19 years of age in the early earlier 1900s? He's all by himself. And he had a word from God that said, I want you to preach the gospel around the world. At that time, by the time he was 19, he had started his first church. Between the ages of 17 and 19. And so he's going across the the, the, the Pacific and he he gets to Australia and he's standing there at immigration and... And all he has to his name is $12. And he's going to preach the gospel around the world. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know even if, if one of you came to me today and say, Pastor Justin, I've got $12. I'm going to preach the gospel around the world. I don't know if my faith could meet you there right now. <laughs> on now. I'd really, I'm, on, I'm being honest. I, yeah. I mean, you know, Tom, I come to you and say, Tommy, I got $12. And I'm going to Australia, I'm going to Indonesia, I'm going to China, I'm going to where it's illegal to preach the gospel, I'm going to go to the mountains of Tibet, I'm going to go through India, I'm going to work my way all the way up to England and meet Smith Wigglesworth at 19 years of age on $12 in Bradford, England. i got 12, I'll give you (laughs) one. See, you have to come to a place where your determination has to be greater than your circumstances. Your determination has to be greater than your, your present substance. He gets, to, he gets to Australia and he's standing in line and he finds out when he gets there that if you don't have more than 200 pounds, you can't enter the country. You know, people think we have, you know, we have really loose immigration laws compared to most nations. People get on us for the way things are right now. you got to realize there's a lot of nations that won't let half the people that the U.S. lets in. And so with this, and think about it. He has $12, and you have to have 200 pounds? And he's standing there. The guy right before him was denied entry because he only had 75. And so he's standing there, and he's, he he says... I know God told me to be here. Amen. I know God wants me here. And now this, he, said, he said, and I knew, he knew I couldn't bluff and I knew I couldn't lie. You can't lie, try to, to do God's business. He was like, you, you, it's like, it's not it's just like when we go to Africa and we deal with things in Africa, we don't pay bribes. We don't do it. We, we did, it took us 14 years to get, to get recognized status in Tanzania because we wouldn't pray, pay bribes. Yeah, they, they said we'll give you status, but you need to pay X, Y, and Z. No, that's not. We don't do. We don't do business that. We, we're going to do things honest. Because the thing is, you pay one bribe, you have to pay another bribe, then you pay another bribe, then another bribe, and then everything you build, they'll take from you. So here he goes in this nation, and he's he's he's. We got twelve dollars, and he's standing there before the guy, and he tells them he tells them the truth. It just rose up out of him. He goes. He goes, "I'm here to preach the gospel around the world, and I'm going to this nation, this nation, this nation, this nation." The guy walks away to a supervisor, he goes, talks to him, he comes back, stamps his, stamps his things, "Welcome to Australia." There, he didn't know where Howard Carter was. There's no, there's no cell phones back then. How are you going to all of a sudden, how are you going to find one man that you said God told you you're going to go and you're going to travel the world?" And Howard said, "Just meet me in Australia." It's not like Howard's just waiting for him any day. I mean, because you don't know how long a ship ride is going to take to Australia. And all of a sudden, he talks to someone. They talk to someone else. Next thing you know, he connects with Howard Carter. He goes up, and, and they go throughout Indonesia, Tibet. It's an amazing story. He's got his testimony. It's a book called "Adventuring in Christ." Adventures in Christ. Amazing book. He goes all the way to where Howard Carter introduces him to Smith Wigglesworth, man who rose multiple people from the dead, did amazing things. He was a plumber. Didn't have an education <laughs> didn't know how to read the only way he learned he learned how to read by reading the Bible <laughs> couldn't even read a newspaper before he got saved but it was a determination being single-minded. go to first Corinthians chapter 10 First Corinthians chapter 10. you can share that other picture Rick. That was him before he passed away. He actually preached here in 1996. uh, Before the church was established, it was just a Bible school. He preached here in 1996. Preached on the seven coats of Joseph. I wish I could find that message. (laughs) Hallelujah. To be single-minded, we have to come to a place where reasoning, reasoning is no longer controlling you. Let me read this scripture. And, and we've used this scripture in a lot of different capacities, but I, I want to look at this. Um, oh, did I say first? Wait a minute. Maybe I'm in... I think I'm second Corinthians. Sometimes I, I get going faster than I... My... Second Corinthians chapter 10. There it is. For though we walk, verse 3 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down every, casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. Now, when I, when I typically preach along these lines, I always look at ma- imaginations as, as fantasies. You know, when we initially think of casting down imaginations as men, we think of lustful thoughts, Right? I mean, we're men, right? We want to, so right. Amen. Say amen, right? You know, and so we, you know you know, you know, you're you're battling the temptation to look at pornography or whatever you know, what you know, I cast down those I cast down those imaginations. No, I'm not gonna think about this. No, I'm gonna you know but actually if you look at this word imaginations in my Bible, it has a letter I. And if you go down to the bottom, it'll tell you what that word what that word means, and it means reasonings. Yeah, we we need to deal with our imaginations and control our thinking. But it's not just casting down wrong imaginations, but it's also casting down reasoning. And reasoning will always undermine your faith. Reasoning. Should I? Should I not? Should I stay or should I go? You know. Is reasoning well, mate? Well, you know, well on this on this hand, you know, I could do it this way. Well, on this hand, but what did God say? What's the instruction? Determination, determination. So we have to cast down reasoning. We need to resist reasoning because reasoning will keep you from being single minded, and single minded will keep you from building, rebuilding your walls. Nehemiah was single minded. He couldn't, it was, there was no reasoning. Well, someone else will do it. That, that you have to, there can be no reasoning involved in your life because it will always undermine your future and your faith. Reasoning as it pertains to our walk with God produces three things. What is, excuse me, what does reasoning produce? Re- reasoning produces excuses. Number two, hesitation. And number three, compromise. Reasoning produces three things, excuses, hesitations, and compromise. So we have three things I'm to deal with here briefly. So we're going to be single-minded. First thing is men that are champions, we make no excuses. We make no excuses. If, if, if you messed up, you say you messed up. If you didn't fulfill and honor your word, you say you didn't fulfill and honor your word. Walls won't be built and projects won't get accomplished if we constantly make excuses. You know, well, well, I didn't get it finished because of this person. Well, I didn't, well, I showed up late because, because, you know, the train. I, well, I showed up, I've used that excuse, that's why I'm saying it. But, but I also know that I could have, I, I shouldn't have left at 8.01. I should have left at 7.45. And if I left it when I should have left, then the train, I would have missed the train. So don't, don't, don't make excuses. Excuses keep you from ever gaining or getting momentum in your life. Excuses, this is a strong statement, excuses are a pathetic way of avoiding responsibility. We said, again, excuses are a pathetic way of avoiding responsibility. What, what is a definition of maturity? It's not age. Well, because I'm 40, I'm, I'm mature. No. I know, I know some 50-year-olds that are more immature than my 11-year-old. What is maturity? Maturity is your ability to accept responsibility. That's what maturity is. Amen. You know, we, we see this. Policemen, teachers... You know, they, they, they hear some excuses. I've been riding out with the police. I'm a clergy for the Fort Worth Police Department. So a couple of people might, that might be in here are. And I've um, been doing it, and I've heard all kinds of excuses. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious here. Here's some I, I wrote down that I uh, found. Some excuses people make. A pedestrian hit me and went under my car. Coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree that I don't have. As I approached the intersection, a stop sign suddenly appeared at a place where no stop sign had ever been before and I was unable to avoid the accident. The other car attempted to cut in front of me, so I, with my right bumper, removed his left front taillight. (laughs) I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over the embankment. As I reached the intersection, a hedge sprang up, obscuring my vision. I did not see the other car. The accident occurred when I was attempting to bring my car out of of a skid by steering into the other vehicle. An invisible car came out of nowhere and struck my vehicle and then all of a sudden it vanished. The indirect cause of the accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. (laughs) You'll get that in a minute. The indirect cause of this accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. In my attempt to kill a fly, I drove right into the telephone pole. My car was legally parked as it backed into the other vehicle. I was sure the old fellow would make it to the other side of the road when I struck him. When I saw I could not avoid the collision, I stepped on the gas and crashed into the other car. The telephone was approaching fast. I was attempting to swerve out of its path when it struck my front end. <laughs> but people make excuses about anything. There's time, and like I said, it can be just little things. There's times when when um, I told my wife I'd do something and, um, and didn't do it. And then all of a sudden she says, I, I thought you were going to do. Well, well, what it was was that, um, you see, what happened was that. Uh, and, and, and there's times, like I said, I'm just being honest. There's times where, where I've lied. You're like, Pastor? Huh? It's, it's human nature. That we want to make excuses because we don't want to seem weak. We make excuses in front of people we work with because we don't want to look bad. We make excuses. We want to look good in front of people. But instead, it's just really excuses. And honestly, excuses are more like little white lies, thinly veiled in deceit. Excuses are more like little white lies or thinly veiled deceit. Just pay attention to what you say when... A boss confronts you. Your wife confronts you. What made Nehemiah a great champion was he refused to make excuses. So no excuses if we're going to be champions. Number two, no hesitation. No hesitation. Nehemiah never hesitated. He went to a place he had never been to lead a people he had never led to engage in a work he had never done. Let me go back to Nehemiah real quick. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12 says, 12 says Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. No beast was with me except the one I rode. I went out by day to the valley gate toward the dragon well and to the dung gate and inspected the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. I passed over the fountain gate into the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. So gradually, I went up to the brook of Kidron in the night and expected the wall. Then I turned back, entered the valley gate, and so I returned. And the magistrates knew not where I went or what I did, meaning the leaders didn't know where I went or what I did. Nor had I yet told the Jews. Remember I told you he didn't tell the Jews. He didn't tell the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest who did the work. Then I said, You see, the bad situation we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a disgrace. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was upon me for good, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. You see, he, hesitated. he did not hesitate. He went in and he planned. Don't mistake planning, don't mistake planning or preparation with hesitation. Let me say it again: Don't confuse days of planning with days of hesitation. You know, a lot of times we we want to hesitate and we'll say, "Oh, well, well I'm, just wait, I'm, I'm just waiting on the Lord," <laughs> or, "Well, you know," and, and you know that God's already told you to do something. Yeah, there's a time to plan, but there's that time to act. There was a time where where he came to a place where he wasn 't going to hesitate. Keys to being a great leader is becoming decisive and determined and this is something that i 'm having continue to grow in as a leader to be decisive because i you know the heart of me to the my you know my natural is i 'm a people pleaser i 'm a people person I, I want to please people, but i 've come to a place as a pastor. Where, yes, I love people, but at the same time, I have to understand that I have to be decisive. And this is a leader has to be decisive in the decisions you make. You can't be wishy-washy. With, as, with your, you know, a wife, a woman, we can give, give you a, some hint here, have a successful, thriving relationship. A wife doesn't want a wishy-washy man. You know, Cassie said last, last night, women can be shifty and women can be, men can be wimpy. You know, you know we, men, women do not want wimpy men. And so part of being, being a man that's a leader is we have to be decisive. We make decisions and we follow through with the decision. Whether it might be a right decision or wrong decision, as long as you know it with, you did it with the integrity of your heart, that's what you have to hold on to. But other than that, you, you have to be decisive. It's not, well, honey, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know about Well, I'm not sure. No, you have to get a plan, make preparations, and make a decision and, and go with it. Keys to being a great leader is you, surver- you survey the situation, you gather facts, you pray for the wisdom, and you act decisively. Once Nehemiah developed the plan, he immediately put that plan into motion. So, the last thing is no compromise. Now, I'm not going to expound on this because we're going to deal with this later in this year as we talk about the making of a champion. But just to establish this part of it, we never compromise what's true and what's right. There's a difference between compromise and cooperation. We work together, but we never compromise the plan. Compromise is never husband and wife. It's not, I'm going to compromise for something unethical. We don't, we don't compromise when it pertains to something that's unethical. We cooperate, but we don't compromise the non-negotiables. There's things that my wife and I. There's non-negotiables. These are things we don't do. These are things we don't do. Now we're going to cooperate. We're going to work and we're going to work together. A lot of times people will believe, well, well, you know, well, we'll just looking at the whole world per se. Well, just you know, everything's got to be compromised. Well, no, it doesn't. We can have cooperation. We can work together. But you know what? I'm not going to compromise my standards. Because if I, fall for, if I fall for one thing, then I can fall for anything. So if I compromise in this area, then what's to say I won't compromise in this area? So, so part of reasoning is, is compromise. Well, it's okay. It's, it's No, we don't compromise these things. Yes, we're going to work together on this, but we're not going to compromise. In this church, you know, hey, we're going to work together as a church body and a church family to do what God's called us to do. But we're not going to compromise the core of what we believe. Amen. No compromise. So realize being a single-minded, there's no room for compromise. So God wants us to be men of strong faith, single-minded like Nehemiah, stable in all our ways. There's no room for excuses, no room for hesitation, and no room for compromise. The things God has called us to do are too important to allow these hindrances that will undermine what we're ultimately called to do. That's what they are, excuses, hesitations. And they're just hindrances to keep us from doing what God's called us to do. So as men that are champions, we're to be single-minded, set our face like Flint. Let me make that statement that I begin with. What are you determined about right now? If you can't answer that, you've revealed that your life will remain the same. What are you setting your face towards? David said, I set my face always before the Lord. What are you setting your face towards? Yeah, you know, I, I, did you get an index card, Freddie? Did you get them all an index card? Just for a moment. Like I said, you don't need to put your name on them. Uh, if you could get, list three things that are your greatest determinations right now. I'm not going to tell you all mine, but I'll tell you this. My greatest determination is to hear God's voice. That's my greatest determination. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Like I said, I don't want you to put your name on them. Maybe, maybe for you, it could. It may deal with an addiction. Maybe it's something that you're trying to overcome. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a Maybe it's dealing with, maybe it's married, maybe it doesn't do with your marriage, a spouse, whatever, whatever it is. Maybe it has to do with uh, about being a father. But whatever it is, I want to I stand with you in the things that you're determined about. So I'm going to have you turn these things in and I'm going to keep these things in my car with me. And I'm going to read them and I'm going to pray over them. Because we're not called to do life alone. And, you know, I can't walk, I can't walk through life with you day in and day out, but I can pray with, I can pray for you. I can, I can, I can stand with you. I can encourage you. Because this is a room full of champions, whether you feel it or not, whether you sense it or not. You are a champion because you're made in God's image. You're made in God's likeness. Created for great things. What are you determined about right now? If you can't answer that, you reveal that your life will remain the same. Not about you, but man, God's done amazing things in my life, and I've seen amazing things. But you know what? I don't want to remain in the same place. We want new victories. Say that again, Tommy. We want new victories. Yes, new victories. I talked about last Sunday taking territory. <laughs> taking territory. New testimonies. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you for your peace, your presence that's in this place. I thank you for these men these men that are strong, these men that are called by you, these men that have giftings beyond their comprehension, these men that have great destiny on the inside of them. thank you, Father, for the, the, the giftings that are within them, the talents that they've yet to discover, the messages that are in them that they've yet to preach. The visions that are in them that they've yet to see. The walls that you've called them to rebuild. Whether it's walls of community, walls of family. Walls. That we'd be determined. First of all, that we'd set our affection towards you. That'd be our first determination that we'd be determined to hear your voice, that we'd be determined to put ourselves in a position to grow. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, your faithfulness. Champions are rising in this day and this hour. Thank you, Father. Father, we love you and we praise you. You're so faithful. You're so good. Oh, Father. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know we usually break up into circles, in circles and groups, but tonight just just across the aisles if we could just take one another's hands just join hands and I'm just going to pray over each other in just a moment but I want you to repeat this after me Father God, Father God I lay everything I lay everything at your feet at your feet show me show me what am I be determined, about. be determined about. Father, Father my, desire my desire is to be single-minded, is to be single-minded focused, focused. Setting, my setting my attention on you, on you. and everything, everything you've called, you called me to. From this day forward, this day forward help, me, Father, help me, Father, to resist, to resist. Living, living a life of excuses. A life, of a life of hesitation. A life of compromise. A life of compromise. I am a champion. Am a champion. Strong, in you. Strong in you. Created in your image. Created in your likeness. Destined for greatness. I put, I put every, excuse me. every excuse behind me. And I pick up, and I pick up your word. word. And, I pick up and I pick up. And go forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. Just close with this thought. Philippians, the Apostle Paul makes a statement. He says, My determined purpose, this focus is my determined purpose is to know him in the power of his resurrection. He said, I've done all these things, had all this success, but what I'm determined about. (laughs) He he actually said, I I consider all these things, but dung." (laughs) We know what that is. But my determination is that I might know him. And so I, I, I I want to leave you with that thought. Let your determination be to know him. That doesn't mean that you have to be this, in your mind, as of right now, this perfect Christian and have it all together and do all the right things and say all the right things. My request and my, my communication to you is pursue knowing him because as you pursue knowing him, all those other things work themselves out. And, and as you pursue him, he'll mold you into all those things that you think you should be right now. Don't try to be all these things right now. No, let your determination to know him. And as you do that, all those other things will be perfected. And all of a sudden, things that were important to you, all of a sudden, won't be important to you anymore. The things that you thought you'd never pursue, all of a sudden, you're pursuing. The things that you desire, all of a sudden, your desires change and things change. Why? Because your determination, just say, God, I just want to know you. I just want to know that you're real. I just want to know that, yeah, this God thing is, is real. That's how I started. I, I, that was my prayer. I said, God, if you're real, I need you. And I, I was healed. <laughs> Amazing miraculous. So just let your determination know Him. Hallelujah. We'll give Him a shout of praise for His word tonight.